Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today I have for you the full, short letter to the public from Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, giving testimony to the alleged control that Archbishop George Gonswine has exerted over Benedict XVI. Thursday of last week, I referred to Ganswine as Francis's creature, and I think for good reason. After the letter, I'll have some background information on Ganswine as well, as a brief look at some historical precedents in recent pontificates that will help show that this kind of control is nothing new, and has been allegedly been exercised over active popes going back to at least the 1980s. But first, the letter of Archbishop Vigano on the Cardinal Sarah and Benedict XVI controversy. Testimony by Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano It is time to reveal the abusive and systematic control exercised by Archbishop George Gonswine over the Supreme Pontiff Benedict XVI since the beginning of his pontificate. Gonswine habitually filtered information, arrogating to himself the right to judge how opportune or not it was to send it to the Holy Father. I can testify that when Pope Benedict summoned me in audience on April 4, 2011, a few days after I had sent him my first letter that was later illegally published during Leaks, I said to the pontiff, I will not speak to you about the situation of corruption in the management of the papal villas, since I assume that you have already taken note of the memo on the matter, which I delivered to your secretary for you in view of this audience. The Holy Father, in all simplicity and innocence, and without showing any surprise, said to me, No, I didn't see anything. I can also testify to another event that shows how Monsignor Gonswine controlled information for the Holy Father and conditioned his freedom of action. On the occasion of the canonization of Marianne Cope in Kateri Tekakwitha, having requested in writing to the then prefect of the papal household, Archbishop James M. Harvey, to be received in audience by the Pope, and having received no response, I went to the same prefect on October 23, Tuesday, 2012, asking him why I had received no response to my request for an audience. I remember perfectly the circumstance, because Archbishop Harvey suggested that I attend the general audience the next day, so that I could at least greet the Holy Father personally, with the other bishops who were present. Archbishop Harvey answered me with the following words, Gonswain said to me, Archbishop Vigano is the last person who can approach Pope Benedict. He then added, at the beginning of his pontificate, Benedict XVI, indicating Ganswein to him with his index finger, exclaimed, Gestapo! Gestapo! This unscrupulous attitude was revealed from the very beginning of his pontificate, also in the determination with which Gonswein had managed to distance from the Pope his precious assistant and secretary, Ingrid Stampa, whom then-Cardinal Ratzinger had wanted at his side for well over a decade after the death of his sister, Maria Ratzinger. 
Furthermore, it is known that to escape this total control exercised over his person by Gonswine, Pope Benedict often went to visit his previous special secretary, Bishop Josef Clemens, inviting Ingrid Stampa to these familial gatherings. I am issuing this statement following what Archbishop Gonswine asserted in recent days to the ANSA news agency, contradicting what Pope Benedict himself had written in his correspondence with Cardinal Sarah. This statement is a sensational and slanderous insinuation against the most eminent Cardinal Robert Sarah, which he swiftly denied. So who is Archbishop George Gonswine? Since 1996, Gonswine has been closely associated with then-Cardinal Ratzinger in one capacity or another. At that time, he was part of the staff at the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, a.k.a. the Old Holy Office of the Inquisition, when Ratzinger was the head of that office under John Paul II. When Ratzinger became Pope Benedict XVI, Ganswine was promoted to be his personal secretary. In this way, Ganswine has been closely associated with Benedict for some 25 years. When Benedict resigned, Francis retained him in the role that he had had as Benedict's personal secretary. Media reports make it seem as if he spends little time working with Benedict since the resignation, leaving those duties to after-hours assignments for the aging Benedict. The role that is interesting here is that since at least 2015, Ganswine has been the keeper of the public image for the relationship between Benedict and Francis. Numerous times in the last five years, reports surfaced that Benedict would issue a public statement, correcting something Francis did or permitted to be done, and Ganswine would be quick to publicly rebuke those rumors going so far as to say that the two share one expanded Petrine office and are in no way in competition with one another. The first example of this came in January 2015 in the aftermath of the 2014 Synod on the Undermining of the Family, as I call these things, when the Synod began its advocacy for permitting the divorced and civilly remarried to receive the Eucharist, despite the rather obvious conflicts with adultery and sacred scripture. This began a near-annual tradition where the archbishop engaged in essentially damage control, where he would say that many people were trying to exploit Benedict XVI to undermine Francis. He was one of the main proponents of the weird, ever-shifting narrative, where one day Benedict would be too frail and almost senile-sounding to say anything. Then the next week we'd hear him say that Benedict was robust and a strong defender of Francis. There is one example of this image-keeping that I want to focus on. As you might remember, in 2018, a letter was released that purported to show an endorsement of Francis's program by Benedict XVI. As you may also recall, it turned out the letter had been doctored by the Vatican's communications office, which is headed by a bishop named Dario Vigano, who is of no relation to Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. Observers noted that the letter was obviously manipulated, and put pressure onto the Vatican they admitted that this had happened. Last October, 16 months later, another letter emerged from George Gonswine to Dario Vigano, and LifeSite published this weird sort of collection of excerpts of exchanges between them into one paragraph. It's bizarre, and I'm going to read this short paragraph for you. Quote, Dear Dario, the message from Ganswine read, Unfortunately, you have made a mess. I am sorry. Signed, GG. In response, Dario Vigano wrote, but how? I read the piece that we had agreed upon in the exercises. In fact, this shows how these people do not like Benedict and use him like a flag. I am sorry you think this way. We have done some good things together and have shared tasks. 
Why are you saying this to me? Anyway, I am now on my way to the airport, but I return tomorrow, and we can talk if you like. Signed, D. Ganswine responded. We'll talk. The manipulation of the photo of the letter has caused problems. This was not agreed upon. Have a good trip until tomorrow. Signed, G.G. End quote. Again, to be clear, Dario Vigano is not Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano and is, to my knowledge, not related to him. The latter of whom, Carlo Maria Vigano, is the author of the string of letters critical of Francis in defense of the Catholic faith. But this letter from LifeSite is interesting because it reveals that what has been called Lettergate, involving Archbishop Ganswine and, quite frankly, this exchange of letters published by LifeSite, was obviously leaked to the media by the Vatican, and that Ganswine has had a role in all of it. If he was not a participant of the editing of that famous letter, I will be really, really surprised, to be honest with you. Now, we've heard long for a long time now that the more conservative the post-conciliar popes have been essentially controlled by the Roman Curia, that men like Ganswine have been keeping the better popes under the thumb of the revolutionaries for literally decades. These accusations are not nothing new. If you have been subscribed to this podcast for any real length of time, you know that I do enjoy the works of Malachi Martin. And for some, that apparently is a character flaw of mine, I guess. But Father Martin himself made these accusations about the, these, the men surrounding John Paul II in his book, Windswept House, as well as in his interview with Bernard Jansen and Art Bell, that, or those series of them, in the 1990s. The accusation was that the men around the Pope, those whom we call the St. Gallen Mafia or the Lavender Mafia today, filtered the information given to the pontiff, which included attempts at whistleblowing in regards to the clerical crisis. These men were gatekeepers of information, or so the allegation goes. A lot of information simply was never received by the Pope in those days, if the accusations are to be believed. Even more recently, it had been stated that Benedict XVI had information filtered by his handlers, telling one group of pilgrims when asked why he did little to stop the heresies being promoted in the West, he pointed to his office door and said that was where his authority ended. Now we have Vigano making the same accusation. Do you believe him? I, for one, fully believe that at least Benedict XVI was being manipulated overtly during his papacy, with information being filtered to protect the maniacs who've seized control of much of the institution of the church in many quarters. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano's letters have been accurate thus far, and I have no reason to doubt his accuracy here when he said Benedict called Ganswine the Gestapo, a rather harsh reference if you know anything about Benedict's personal history. But I'm more interested in hearing what you have to say about all of this. I know this is a short way to start the week, but I felt that this letter and its historic context was an important way to kick the week off. So let me know what you think in the comments below, and I wanted to thank the patrons of this channel publicly. You are all greatly appreciated. But thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.